How many of you have not been able to sleep at night? Anybody in here, you just have one of those waking nights, you just can't go to sleep? How many of you have gone out and turned on the TV? You can lie or tell me the truth. You went out and turned on the TV. How many of you went out and turned on the TV and there's an infomercial on? How many of you know what an infomercial is, right? And how many of you have turned on the TV and the infomercial is about how to get wealthy? And they're going to teach you how to get wealthy. And I was thinking, you know, any day of the week, no matter what time of night or day, you can always click on some channel and there's someone on there explaining to you how you can become wealthy very quickly. So they run all these infomercials and how you can be independently wealthy. It's always a plan for you to build an earthly possession. How you can be independently wealthy and don't have to depend on anybody else. And really, if you'll just send in your $39.95, we'll tell you how to do it, right? So they're getting your money so they can become wealthy. And you realize, man, this is a scheme. Well, I want to tell you, God teaches us how to get rich. Only his comes with eternal possessions. His comes with eternal value. And when I look to the Bible and I see this, rarely, if ever, are you taught any of these schemes that uh, it's to make you more generous. Nowhere in there do you ever hear, you're going to get wealthy and you're going to become very generous toward other people. God said when you get rich toward him, you're going to become generous toward other people. <laughs> and nowhere do you ever hear that in an infomercial that you're going to get rich and then you're going to become generous. No, you're going to become stingy. Amen. I was watching today as we were just kind of flipping through the channels. And how many of you seen the publisher's clearinghouse to get $2,500 a week, right, for the rest of your life? And then whenever you're done, you give it to somebody else. I was thinking, man, I don't want to give my money to nobody. Right? Isn't that what you think? Oh, well, who would I give it to? Now, you got all those children. Who are you going to give them to? Because you only get to choose one person. And I was thinking, man, I got four kids, man. I'm going to cause division in my family if I won the publisher's clearinghouse and then I die and I pass it on to my kids. Which child would I give it to? And Emily said, obviously, Daddy. You know who it is, right? <laughs> and so, you know, and, and so you think about how they'll never teach you how to be generous toward other people whenever they're talking about their get-rich schemes. You know, what's interesting about my God is he's teaching us how to not be self-centered. He's teaching us how we can be rich and, and, and be rich in good works and do things for other people. And, and I look at this, and it, it's not about just making a living. It's about how you live. And he's talking about our life and our lifestyle. So what is your vision of true, true wealth? When you think about true wealth, you say, well, you know, I mean, I'm looking at it. And, you know, I've got a father-in-law and i got a dad left. And, you know, I've got a lot of brothers and sisters still living. And, man, and dad goes to split his stuff up. Now, there's only Anita. We're probably going to get some money out of the deal, right? And you start thinking the wrong way, don't you? And, and what it is, is you think about accumulating things, about having things, and about possessions. But what is your vision for true wealth? You know, God points out uh, that these views vary greatly on the earth, but his view is not a world view. It's a heavenly view. It's a heavenly view of what really makes you wealthy. You know, he tells us in the Old Testament in Joshua 1.8, he told us to meditate there in day and night. Then shalt thou have good what? Success, right? Meditate on what? His word. Not on the things of the earth, but the things of God. And so we're provided, I think, with some instructions on how to be wealthy toward the Lord. One of the things he tells us is don't trust in uncertain riches. 
You know, I'm speaking of that right now, and I, I just want you to pray. Brother Bossy is very ill right now, so I want you to pray for him. Jim Bossy with Jehovah Jireh Ministries. He's taken very ill over the last couple of days, so he was just on a trip, and he's coming back from that trip. And so Brother Bossy and I talk about it every day or every other day, and we pray together. And so I just want you to pray for him. And when he talks about this, he talks about uncertain riches. You know what uncertain riches are? Man's money, isn't it? <laughs> That's not certain. Now, we think it is, don't we? Uh, but, you know, the stock market could crash again, couldn't it? Things could take a nosedive. You say, well, not in the society in which we live today. You know, the dollar's strong, and it's going to stay that way. And that's uncertain riches. I mean, do you, can you imagine <clears throat> all those people during Enron when they were putting all their money in that? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Do you know what Enron is? And, and so uh, Bernie Madoff, and, uh, and here all these people are putting their money in this thing. And, man, they're thinking, man, we're accumulating all this wealth. And he was running a scheme. And he was going to take their money, and he did. And people lost a significant amount of savings and everything else, of wealth that they had accumulated, uncertain riches, isn't it? And then God also speaks about being rich. And, and if I want to be wealthy toward God, I'm not going to trust in uncertain riches, but I'm going to be rich in good works. And he tells us to be rich in good works. When you talk about good works, you can go through the scriptures and he teaches us about those good works. This is being selfless and not self-centered. This is about giving and not taking. And boy, our world needs to learn that lesson today, don't they? Because right now, I watched a set of interviews the other day. Charlie Kirk was out on the street and he's interviewing people. And uh, the people said that we should just have free health care in the United States. And he said, do you think both uh, legal and illegal uh, Americans should have health care? They said... We should provide health care for everybody. And he said, so where are we going to get the money for the health care? And the young man said, well, we'll just uh, get it from the government. He said, where does the government get their money? He said, well, we can just have them print more. And he said, well, if they print more, where do you think that money's coming from? What do you think the value of the dollar's doing? He said, everybody deserves free health care. Just raise our taxes. And I thought, I wonder if he pays taxes. Boy, a skewed view of things, isn't it? And today, everybody wants something for nothing. There's a lot of that going on today, isn't there? I don't really have to do anything. Everybody that graduates from college believes that they should be the CEO of the company right now. <laughs> and they haven't learned anything yet. Amen? And they think they ought to have that position. And really, uh, they, they just want things. But listen, God said, if you really want to be rich, be rich in good works. That's selflessness, not selfishness. And then he told us this. If you want to be rich, lay hold on things that are eternal. And he said, build that on a good foundation. Do you know, uh, we can build up our 401k. We can, we can put monies into, in, into investments and all that kind of stuff. We can build all that stuff up. And, uh, and God, how many of you would admit that God uses different various books of the Bible and Scripture in your life as you age? Anybody with me on that one? I'm in Ecclesiastes right now. It never made more sense to me than it does right now. Amen? I read it every day, and I'm thinking, good night, Solomon. You talk about smart. This guy knew exactly what he was talking about, didn't he? And, and the thing of it is, is that we think that if we can build this, if we can do this, if I have this, the reality is it's all vanity, isn't it? <laughs> it's all vain. And the reality is that we ought to be focused on God, be rich in God. So let's talk about these uncertain riches for just a moment. Let's look at what he says here. He said, charge them that be rich in this world, that they be not high-minded. Now, God talks about pride in the scriptures, and he talks about high-mindedness in the scriptures. And, and, and pride cometh before a what? 
false. So the high-mindedness is, is that they're, 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 in, they're counting on their uncertain riches, the things that they own, the things that they possess. And so Paul's now giving specific instruction to Timothy here regarding money and its use and the importance of placing more emphasis on the spiritual rather than on the material. And, and even Christians, listen, we can get off track. <laughs> we can get off track and we can even start to teach our children more than we know that the material is more important than the spiritual. And we don't want to do that. We want to teach them just the opposite of that. And he speaks not only to Timothy, but he's communicating to the church, and it comes with some strong biblical principles to live by, not only for the pastor, but for God's people in the church. Paul said, Tim, here's an order, here's a command, here's a direct uh, instruction that I want to give you about great possession and wealth in this time on this earth. And here are some key points about wealth to give instruction to the local church. Here's the first thing he said, be not high-minded. Be not high-minded. Hey, listen, if God has given you the ability to gain monies, to make monies, to be able to put monies away, or you're a saver or whatever it is, and God's gifted you in that way, don't get high-minded. God did that. Amen. We didn't do it. God did that for us. You say, well, I saved the money. Who gave it to you? Amen. Amen. And the thing is, is God gave it to you, and so let's not get high-minded about it. Now, when he says, be not high-minded, it's a, in a resolute or an absolute. Tell them not to be arrogant or to be lofty in their mind, exalting themselves in their own thoughts, thinking, look what I've accomplished, look what I've done. Let me tell you the warning that he gave to the Israelites back in Isaiah chapter 2, verse 11 to 12. He said, the lofty looks of a man shall be humbled. <laughs> He said, whenever we get that kind of mindset that we've done this, we've accomplished this, we've, you know, and, and you kind of have that mindset, he said, and the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. For the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon everyone that is proud and lofty, and upon everyone that is lifted up, and he shall be brought low. I want to tell you something. When we start lifting ourselves up because of something that we've accomplished, God's not going to put up with that because we're robbing him of his glory. <laughs> And it doesn't even matter if it's your private investments. If you have them, God gave them to you. And we need to see it that way. He said in Isaiah 57, 15, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. <laughs> so who's the high and lofty one? God is. Where should that honor go to? That should go to God, not to man. And when you look at that, he says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in a high and holy place with whom him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of the contrite ones. He told us in this passage, he said, Let me tell you something. Let me tell you who I'm walking with, the one that has a contrite and humble spirit. That idea of contrite, that has an idea of a crushed heart, one that's, that's not high-minded, one that's just the opposite of that. And that you uh, thank God for these things. And I mentioned Brother Bossy to you, and, and the thing of it is, is I've been with him for uh, quite a while now, and in the years that I've known the man, just in the time that I've been with him, he has given away $21 million in the time that I've known him. In the time that I've known him, we have, have had the opportunity to participate in watching 200 churches get built. Amen. And, and, and what amazes me about it is God blessed this man to be able to make this money, and now he's taken that money, and he's given it back to God, and the more he gives away, the more it comes in. And the more churches we build, the more people get involved in this ministry, and it, it just blows a gasket for me. And here's the thing. 
He brings men into a room to take the money that God has blessed him with and he allows them to make the decision about what to do with the money. Now you tell me. That's called a heart of humility, isn't it? But God gave it to him and the more he gives away, the more God gives to him. And I've watched it for the last 15 years, 16, well, actually 17 years now. I've watched it happen for 17 years. Now, why am I sharing that with you? Not because I know somebody who has money. I'm telling you, I know somebody who has money who loves the Lord. (laughs) And he gives it away. And he keeps on giving it away. Now, the thing of it is, is God told us in this passage, charge them to be rich in this world that they be not high-minded. People who have accumulated money don't get too high-minded about it. You say, preacher, you ain't got nothing to worry about in this church. (laughs) Amen? That's not true. Do you know, I really have, have been baffled in, in times. I've, I've been to smaller works, and I've been in smaller works, and I've worked with, with churches, and I, I am always baffled at times at what God does to smaller works. Do you know what Brother Dwight told me when he left here? He said, the smaller churches give the best offerings. The smaller churches give the best offerings. He goes, sometimes you go to these larger churches and you think that they're just going to really be good to you. And he said, I've gotten the smallest love offerings that you can imagine in bigger churches. He said, the smaller works are the ones that are more generous people. And the thing of it is, is that God loves a cheerful way. That's why I think we have that many missionaries on the wall, folks. (laughs) Because you all are cheerful givers. You give God the money and you let God use it. And I think that's why we have the number of missionaries out. And I'm not boasting. I'm boasting on God. Amen. But I think that's why God does it. And when you have that cheerful spirit, he does those things. Now listen, he tells us in here, he said, nor trust in uncertain riches. He said, don't trust in them. Don't be high-minded. Don't trust in these uncertain riches. Wealth is not something to rely on. That's the whole of the message. He's trying to tell them, you know, you can accumulate wealth, but it's nothing to rely on. Uh, you know, because it, <laughs> as quickly as you can accumulate it, it can disappear. And by the way, when I'm reading Ecclesiastes right now, I found out when I accumulate it, somebody else gets to spend it. Amen? Isn't that what he tells us in Ecclesiastes? <laughs> and so we accumulate all this stuff so that I can give it to Connor and Emily. And the thing is, is that God teaches us to not get focused on those things. He told Solomon the same thing. God used Solomon in that way. Well, it's not something to rely on, but the whole of the message to the church in Timothy is trusting God and the one who provides the provisions. That's who we're to trust in, the one who actually gives it to you. Amen. Now, Chris, I'm not trying to lift anybody up, but every time you plant those, that, that corn, uh, you have to trust God for some things. Because you really don't know when you go out there where that stuff's coming up. Now, you hope it does. Every time you plan, I'm sure you hope that stuff comes up, don't you? But listen, he has to trust God for that stuff to come up. Do you know why? Farming blows a gasket for me. Because there's more of a reliability on God than any other profession that I think of. Because you got to trust him for water, and you got to trust him to make sure that it doesn't get too hot or too cold. Or I, I mean, think about it. Who's in control of the weather? Chris can't go in there and say, well, let me set the diameter or the dial on this thing, man. I'm going to just set it right here because, you know, I want this kind of crop this year. It doesn't happen that way, does it? <laughs> He's got to trust God. And you say, well, you know, it's not that hard, preacher. Look, he knows. He's going to go out there. He's going to put that stuff in the ground. It's going to grow. How do you know? How do you know whether it's going to grow or not? You don't know. 
You think you know, but you don't. And the thing is, is that he says here, don't trust in these uncertain riches, but trust in one who provides the provisions, amen? Trust the one who's actually given you this stuff. Uh, uncertain is to doubt, not doubting where the wealth or the possessions came from, but for those who have attained wealth and use it wisely for the Lord. He tells us in James 5, 2, your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. He said, listen, some things can happen to what we own, doesn't it? We were uh, uh, out uh, a couple weeks ago, months ago now, I went into a store. <clears throat> when I went into the store, I paid, uh, I think, uh, with a $50 bill or something like that, and I got change back. The change that was given back to me was a $20 silver certificate, a 1950 $20 silver certificate. I said, well, look at that. When I got it, I thought that looked unique, and so I took that $20 silver certificate, and I thought, man, I'm going to put this, you know, in my safety deposit box. That's what I'm going to do with that. And so then I had a coin at the house that my aunt and my uncle had given me. How many of you remember those Kennedy silver dollars, half dollars or whatever they were? I had one from 1965. That's the year I was born. My aunt and uncle gave that to me. So I had that. Well, when they gave me that, they also gave me a wheat penny. <clears throat> and uh, so I had this $20 silver certificate. I had this wheat penny and my 1965 Kennedy half dollar silver. Also, by the way, it was silver then, by the way, amen. It was all silver. And so I had that silver dollar. And so I had mentioned to Mrs. Warnick, I said, well, listen, I'm gonna put this stuff in this envelope and we're gonna take this over. I said, we should probably put this in the bank. So I called and I wanted to check on what that silver, the silver certificate was worth. Say that 10 times real fast, right? Man, guy told me, he said, it's worth about $52 right now for that $20 silver certificate, you know. And I thought, wow, that's pretty good. I said, so, you know, you take it over and you put it in the bank. So I put it in a uh, banking envelope along with that silver dollar and along with that wheat penny, and I set it on my stand. Somewhere along the line, I must have been cleaning the room, <clears throat> forgot that I had put that silver dollar and that penny and that $20 silver certificate inside that envelope. I said, where's that silver certificate? She goes, what? Well, I, I thought we were going to put it in the... I said, yeah, so did I. I said, where is it? She goes, I don't know. What would you do with it? It's gone. You know, when I look at this, <clears throat> I see this. Your riches are corrupt and your garments are moth-eaten. Man, that stuff can disappear just like that, can it? So my $52, which one of you have it? <laughs> and so, you know, you, you think more of earthly possessions sometimes. You know how I know that to be true? Because I have red blood flowing through my veins and I'm a man just like the rest of the men in this room. And I know how we get sometimes. You know what I mean? We start thinking wrong. And so he said, not, not trust in these uncertain riches. He tells us in Revelation 18, 17, for in one hour so great riches has come to naught. <laughs> you know, you look at it and you think to yourself, all this stuff that we accumulate, the, I just read to you this morning, it's going to burn up with a fervor and heat. And man, we're so pressed to build these uncertain riches. And then he tells us, trust in the living God. 
And he tells us the charge to Tim and to the church is no matter your wealth, keep your focus on God. Psalm 115 and 111 and Psalm 118, 8 and 9. Ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Proverbs 3, 5, he says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. Listen, God wants us to trust him. You know, the funniest thing to me is, is the very money that we have, they want to take off the one thing that's given us our money to begin with. Amen. In God, we what? Well, let's get rid of that. Because <laughs> we don't want to trust God for our money. Because <laughs> them churches down there, they'll just take that stuff. Trust God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. This is what he says here. He says, he says uh, uh, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. In that same verse, whatever you possess, it is of the Lord, for he has allowed it into your life. <laughs> how many of you know what honeysuckle is? Anybody know what honey? How many of you like it after a rain? And you can smell honeysuckle. Have you ever done that? I mean, after a fresh rain and... You know, that's of God. God did that. Man didn't make that. Now, I don't know about you, but I love the smell of honeysuckle. I went out past my house the other day, and, you know, of course, we've been having this rain, and all of a sudden I could smell there must be some honeysuckle around there somewhere because, man, I can smell it. How many times have you smelled something that gives you a memory and takes you back in time? Anybody ever have that happen to them? <laughs> smelled that honeysuckle. You know what it did? It took me back to when I was about Caleb's age, man. We used to run around down in that old coal patch down there, and there was honeysuckle everywhere, man. And it took me back to a time. Do you know when I look at this and I think about this, trusting the God who gives us richly all things to enjoy, you know, it took me back to a memory of my mom. It's amazing what God can do. But you know, God does that. Uh, this is not just about possessions, but all the world around us is given unto us by our God for enjoyment. Isn't that what the Bible teaches us? He's given it all to us to enjoy. And Acts 14, 17, nevertheless, he left not himself without witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. Who did that? God did. And, and you think he brought the rains from the heavens, doesn't he? And right now you're saying, okay, God, just stop for a couple days, right? <laughs> got it. We got it. You, we know you give it, man. <laughs> We're grateful. The riches of this world, by the way, folks, are not permanent. And therefore, they're uncertain. But the gift of God is certain, isn't it? And when you think about Colossians 3.2, he says, set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth, doesn't he? And, and so often we have just the opposite. Even as Christians, we have an opposite way of behaving, don't we? We might outwardly say stuff, but our actions, you know, and some of the things that we say and we do are very different than what the Bible teaches us. And so he tells us to set our affections on things above, not on things of the earth. And this is not about no plan for retirement or no savings account. It's not what he's talking about. But he's saying it's whenever that has you rather than God having you. And then being more obsessed with the possessions than you are obsessed with the provider. <laughs> And so you got to rethink this thing a little bit. The other thing is this. The Lord has a plan for obtaining the right kind of wealth. And look at verse 18. That they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. Boy, this would be a good missions passage, wouldn't it? <laughs> That's a good missions message right there. Because you're thinking about what he's talking to us about. 
and about our giving and communicating and distributing. Uh, the Lord uh, and Paul, being used of God, did not let the church and nor Timothy try to figure out what all this was about or what it all meant. He said, let me charge you with something. Let me challenge you with something. And so the letter continues to the church and told them to fulfill the following if you want to be rich. You know, in Luke 12, 20 and 21, he said, But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. I read that passage and I'm just thinking to myself, God said to the guy who was like, you know, hanging on to all this stuff, he said, thou fool. <laughs> he called him a fool. Why? Because he was trusting in uncertain riches, wasn't he? He was trusting in the wrong thing. Hey, we don't know what tomorrow holds. I was going out. How many of you know where the in-between is out there? I know a bunch of you were chicken wings from there. Crazy people. So anyway, I've not had chicken wings from there yet. I'm going, and right there, uh, Brother Jimmy, just coming off of 75, right there, the in-between, his house is sitting there. Tractor trailer was coming through there, and it looks like a car decided it was going to go through the stop sign. <laughs> he not only went through the stop sign, he went through the people's house on the left-hand side. So if you go out there, you can see where the car went all the way into the house. Right there at the in-between. You know what I'm talking about? Right there, 119, what is that, 274, 119? Is that what it is? Say it again, 274? Yeah, 274, 119. 25A. 25A, yeah, see, that's what I was saying. 25A. <laughs> right there at that intersection. Right? That's what I meant. <laughs> yeah, they're in between, right? So I get you, man. Love that woman. Right, babe? <laughs> so anyway, so the car goes right through the side of that house. We don't know what tomorrow holds. You know, and, and, and whenever God says, thou fool, think about what he's saying to that man. He thought, if I have this, if I accumulate this, if I do these things, then, right? And God clearly says in this passage, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. See, we don't know that time or that day, do we? We have no idea when that's coming. So, God provides four keys to being rich toward God, and these are not complicated, but it requires a willing heart looking to please God. Here's the first thing. Think about how hard this is. Do good. That's hard. Do good. Well, what's good, preacher? <laughs> Read the Bible. You'll know what's good. Good is not self-satisfaction, self-centeredness, and me, and I, and people that are living in that world, I think they got to be miserable, don't you? Do you ever look at some of those Hollywood stars? I actually feel bad for them because they really think they're the center of attention. <laughs> and, and, and I really feel bad for them. Most of them need to just get saved, amen? And, and the thing of it is is that, that whenever you look at this and you see this, he simply said, do good. And we know when we can see the opportunities to do good, and yet we become indifferent about that for various reasons, we've become indifferent about just doing good. How many of you have been to that place? You think, yeah, you know, I know I could do it, but you know what? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I've been there. I know I could do that, but you know what? Oh, man. And, and God just simply said, do good. Now, he said that they do good, that they be rich, and good works. 
and, and when you think about doing good, this is not a hard concept, but it comes with great restraint on our part sometimes, doesn't it? Well, I know it's good, but I, I don't really want to do that, man. How many of you have put off a job till the next day and then you're really sorry you did so? Anybody ever have that happen to them? Right? You say, ah, you know, the ice is building up. I don't care. I'll knock it off tomorrow. And when you get out there tomorrow, the ice is twice as big. Amen. <laughs> you with me? Amen. We just think if we just put it off till tomorrow, right? And, and sometimes we know what's good. We know what's right. We know what we should do. But, man, we just don't do it. And this is not a hard concept. And I think uh, we ought to be very liberal in this area. In fact, Galatians 6.10 is we have, therefore, opportunity to let us do good unto all men. He didn't just say save men, but he said, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them that are of the household of faith. So he said, do good. Then he said, be rich in good works. If you uh, want to accumulate something, accumulate that. Accumulate some good works. When I think about this, he said that they be rich in good works. If you want to accumulate something, be wealthy in good works. uh, Titus 3.8, this is a faithful saying. These things I will that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Those are like accounting terms, aren't they? These are what's good and profitable to man if they just do good. And so just do good, be rich in good works. 1 Peter 2.12, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, that they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Your good works matter. You're not going to get saved by them, but your good works matter. Just do good. Do good things. And then he says, ready to distribute. This is to give a liberal Away. Be very liberal. Be very generous with your possessions. In 2 Corinthians 9, 7, and 8, every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of a necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound unto every good work. <laughs> God can do that. He said, do good. I like willing to communicate. And some of the women say, boy, I sure wish my husband would get a hold of that one. That's not what he's talking about, ladies. What it is, is you do this with joy, giving generously. There's a heart to share what God has so graciously given unto you. Willing to communicate. Willing to give. Willing to do. To reach out. Philippians 4.14, notwithstanding ye have all well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Paul speaking there, and this is used in missions a lot, and Paul is saying, hey, listen, uh, you guys did well whenever you gave to my affliction. What I had need of, you gave toward that, and that was a good thing. Listen, when we're giving to missions, that's a good thing. <laughs> that is a good thing to do <laughs> because we're giving to what is God's. <laughs> And then he tells us in Hebrews 13, 16, he said, But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. God said, man, I get excited whenever you behave this way. When you just do good and do the right things. So if you truly want to be wealthy, if you truly want to be rich, give freely. Give freely of yourself. Give freely of what God gives you. And do that and just do good. And then he tells us lastly this. To do it based upon a good foundation as well. He said, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation 
against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Now Paul challenges the people here of God and he challenges Timothy to build the work based on God and based on who he is, not on what we possess. And and listen, it's who possesses us, not what we possess. (laughs) To build the work on Christ Jesus, the one who has us. And the day of the Lord is quickly approaching and far more profitable for you to build on the life of Christ than it is to build on your 401k plan. (laughs) Far more important to build on the life of Christ. (laughs) And, And when you look at this and you see this and you see God telling him, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation... You know, this is not a means of gaining eternal life, but laying hold of the true treasure of eternal life, what it provides to us. It's not earthly possessions, it's eternal possessions. (laughs) Laying hold of it is getting a hold of the idea of what God's talking about. It has the idea of not that you're going to gain eternal life in that way, but you're laying hold of what Christ has set before us. You're gaining that relationship, that understanding. Lay in store a good foundation. This is to put away or to stow away treasures that have great value because they're built on the proper footing. You know, even a home, when you think about it, if it's not built on a good foundation, what happens to the house? Sometimes you see it sink. Sometimes you see it not settle properly, right? And, and, and so, but when a house is built on a good foundation, you can see some things. They, they stand strong. But the fact is, is that Christ is telling us here, Lay up in store. Build on the right stuff. Don't build on the wrong thing. Build on the right thing. This is doing good based on the proper structure. This is no different than that foundation on that house. Matthew 6, 19 through 20. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. Just think about it for just a moment. The wonderful thing is, is when someone gets saved and you've led them to the Lord, (laughs) not even the devil himself can rob you of that. You lead somebody to Christ, not even the devil's going to rob you of that. That's a treasure laid up in heaven, isn't it? (laughs) When you give, not grudgingly, but you give cheerfully and you let it go and you just give cheerfully, hey, that's a treasure laid up in heaven, isn't it? When you do good, you see a need and you just reach out and you get it done and you're not looking for anybody to pat you on the back for what you've done. Listen, you're just going to get it done and get it, get it done right. You're going to do good because you know it's right. Listen, there's a treasure in heaven for that. And the fact is, is that build on that kind of foundation. Lay hold on eternal life. This is to seize that moment, to put your hands on something valuable. And you see, we must get a hold of this as believers. For what we possess now, we cannot take it with us. These earthly possessions, we cannot take with us. But listen, man, I was so grateful I had an opportunity on behalf of Calvary Chapel to sit there and lead that couple to the Lord. That's on your behalf. Amen? You asked me to come out here, didn't you? You asked me to come out here, and now the, 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 the bakers have a home in heaven. They have an opportunity to build a godly home now. And listen, that, that goes to your account. Every time a missionary that we support wins the soul to Christ, that goes to your account. Every time one of these men or one of these ladies go out and a soul say uh, uh, what's happening in children's church, what's happening in the auditorium, when we go out on the streets, hey, listen, when those souls come to Christ, that goes to your account. That's laying hold on something eternal, isn't it? (laughs) And you look at this and you see this. And therefore, when we share the gospel and a soul comes to Christ, you, my friend, (laughs) 
You have laid hold on something eternal. It's a wonderful thought, isn't it? This is why we must have our hearts turned toward the Lord as we do the work of God. Let me give you this verse and I'll be done. 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through 11. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given unto me, a wise master builder. I've laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Hey, we've got to make sure that we're laying hold of this. Laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Make sure that the foundation that you and I and this church that we're building upon Jesus Christ and not ourselves.